Good morning. Merry Christmas. All right. Stand up with us as we start celebrating our Savior's birth this week with O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Welcome to Cross Point Baptist Church. Uh, we have purposely chosen, Andrew and I, uh, to the orders throughout the, the Sundays of December may be a little different uh, on purpose by design. And one of the privileges we get to do this morning, I love when this happens, is we get to start service with something that we don't do every week. Sometimes it may be a baptism this week, it's going to be for a membership. We've had, uh, just in the last couple of weeks, we've had quite a few join Cross Point Baptist Church. And the name Rick Helton comes to us today. 
Um, sometimes I have them stand up here. Sometimes I had, I think I had Roxanne and then just kind of give us a wave. Rick, if you would, just for a moment, just kind of stand up and give them a wave so they at least know where you're at. Yep, that's Rick. He guarantees. Yeah. He, he's not only joining, but he's going to guarantee it's not going to rain because he brought his umbrella in the church with him. So it will not rain the rest of the day. Um, but I want to take this time and uh, memberships are something very special. Um, a lot of churches don't do them anymore. And what, why do we do them? And all those uh, questions may come to mind. But I want to share his testimony today. I met Rick, uh, I was thinking about this, can't remember exactly the first, how long it's been on the first time, but the first time we actually met was on a golf course. And uh, the one thing about, you know, I told him all my, my, I try to put people at ease on the golf course when they hear that I'm a pastor. Because one thing that goes with, with being a pastor is a nervousness. And they, um, I tell them, one of my favorite jokes to tell them is ter pastors make terrible, they're not good golfers because they don't have the vocabulary. Think about it. So uh, I, did, I did good that day, right? I, I must have put a shine on for Rick. But I want to share, and over time, I'm speaking personally now. I'm not speaking his testimony yet. I'm, just, I'm getting ready to read his testimony. I'm speaking personally as we met. And um, uh, just kind of kept talking and having these conversations. You get to see people's heart. And um, some people are, are more demonstrative and vocal. Others are quiet. But the heart shines through uh, on people if you will but have eyes to see. Here's the testimony of Rick Helton. My name is Rick Helton. I am a friend of Greg and Diana Ferguson. Earlier this year, during one of Pastor's, Pastor Scott's sermons, he mentioned that a lot of us would reach a time in our life when we think about our past more than we think about our future. That point in time for me was last summer. I started thinking a lot about my past life, things I had done, things I didn't do, things I was proud of, and things I was not wasn't proud of. I had a very good childhood growing up in a traditional family, was in 4-H for several years, and always had a large vegetable garden. On Palm Sunday in 1971, Rick, just so you know, I was uh, three years old in 1971. I like to point that out. Uh, I was baptized, and um, for a couple years, for a couple of years, God and I were very close. Sometimes after, sometime after I had turned 16, something happened. Something got in the way with my relationship with God that, that something was called life. Life got in the way. It was like I was driving down a road, saw a hitchhiker holding up a sign that said life. I stopped and picked him up and somehow may have put God in the back seat. I'll go back to that analogy in just a moment. Until last year, throughout my entire life, I had three things confused, divine intervention, miracles, and luck. I now know that luck is something that happens on a golf course. When I was 17, I almost drowned, but didn't realize, but I didn't because I had helped. I had help. God was with me. About 20 years ago, ago I fell headfirst down 12 concrete steps. That morning could have been a very tragic but it wasn't because I had help. God was with me. At a, about 10 and a half years ago on a Monday afternoon at 345, I got a call from my doctor 
and was told that I had leukemia. I was in absolute shock. The next four days, I was in a very dark place, the darkest place I'd ever experienced, and yes, I even asked the question, why me? For four days, I asked that question over, over and over, and I never got the, an answer. On the fifth day, however, when I woke up, another question somehow popped in my head. What is the worst than being told you have leukemia? The answer was simple, being told someone in my family had leukemia. Somehow, I was able to answer the question of why me on my own. Life chose me instead of one of my family. I had a lot of forgiveness to ask of God that week. Once again, looking back, I had help. God was with me. By the way, the type of leukemia that I have, the five-year survival rate is about 50%. It's been about 10 and a half years, and I'm still here. I've had help. God had been with me. My wife and I were married in December of 1990. Seven months later, we got custody of my four kids, and boom, we had eight. We had a family of eight. Remember that TV show, Eight is Enough? Eight's enough. We, we hadn't uh, had much, but we survived because he was, he was, he had, we, we had help. God was with us. Remember the car analogy, how I, I said I was driving down the road, saw a hitchhiker holding up a sign that, that said life. I stopped to pick him up and felt like I may have put God in the back seat. I've had that wrong all these years, you see. God had been driving the car the whole time, and he's had me in, front, in the front seat with him, riding shotgun, close to him where he could keep an eye on me. Even though I, I did not deserve it, as I look back on my life, God had never given up on me. Now, I don't know what God has planned for me, but as I move forward with the rest of my life, I have one simple goal in mind, to do my best every day and live my life in a way that will make God smile. Thank you. And Rick recognizes that he comes to the Father through the Son. You know, we all have different life events that happen to us. And we've learned over time that they're either going to draw us closer to God or for, we can tend to push him further away. In Rick's testimony, he's chosen to draw closer to God, closer to our Savior, instead of pushing him away. That's a testimony of Rick Helton. I would ask all those in favor of receiving this testimony as a membership in the cross point, let it be known by an amen. amen. And then any opposed. So we want to say thank you for your testimony and, um, and welcome as well. Rick had been coming for quite some time. I encourage people when they say, hey, I'm, I'm interested in becoming a member. I encourage you to come for quite some time. I make it hard to be a member here sometimes because I want you to see it. I want you to feel the atmosphere. I want you to see what we're about. And more importantly, what you're joining, or most importantly, what, we're, what you're joining. We want to be well-pleasing the best we can to our God. That's our effort. And we don't do it perfectly, but that's our effort. So today, Pastor Roger's getting ready to come in a moment. We're going to continue worship. And then, uh, again, our music for this uh, month is um, it's different. Uh, there's some, several specials that are coming that may be a pleasant surprise to you. Pastor Roger, if you would.
All right. As the ushers come and get in their places, we'll receive the offering this morning. And uh, while they're uh, coming, we'll have prayer. And then I'll give a few announcements uh, so that uh, we can do uh, something a little different at the end of the service today. So guys, come on up and we'll have a word of prayer to bless the offering. Uh, as you give, remember, this is um, our chance to give back unto the Lord. He has given us everything. And he's asking us to be faithful to him in what you give. Do it with a cheerful heart. That's our, uh, our goal and our uh, training for you is to give uh, unto him out of a grateful heart. Let's pray, and then I'll give, do the announcements. Father, we thank you uh, for this opportunity to be in your house, to celebrate the birth of our Savior this month. We're so thankful for uh, your plan that we might be redeemed through the finished work of the cross. Lord, we just pray that you just be with the offering that's given today. Bless each gift and giver today. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, as they're coming through, I want to make a few announcements. Uh, so it's uh, we have our new announcement sheet out there for December. There's a lot of activities going on, things that are, that are still happening uh, through the end of the year. And uh, you be sure to check those out. I want to uh, focus on a couple of them. Uh, number one is it's not in the uh, worship folder, but uh, we want to honor our uh, servicemen. Pastor Scott uh, went through those on Veterans Day. We have uh, Johnny Prem and Juan and uh, Kurt and Jake Thompson. And so uh, we want to honor them with a card. And so if you can write a, a Christmas card to them, put a note in it if you'd like. And then on the envelope, just write their name. And Lori Prem is going to uh, take those cards and address them. She has their addresses. And then you can uh, put it in the basket. There's a red basket out on the Welcome Center. Put it in there, and she'll make sure that they get sent. The deadline for that is next Sunday. So if you don't get it in by next Sunday, uh, you know, they won't get it. So uh, please do that. Honor them and, and remember them. Let them know that we're thinking about them and praying for them. And then real quickly, I want to mention two things. Our candlelight service is coming up on the 24th, uh, Sunday morning. So it's a great time to uh, really uh, focus on the birth of our Savior that day. So uh, those candlelight services are always very special. And then uh, the Christmas offering this year will go to the Barnabas Fund. So each year we choose some different ministry or something, and this year it's going to go to the Barnabas Fund, which are, is a fund for uh, those that have special needs, financial needs here at the church that we help out with. So remember those things. And with that, we'll uh, turn it back to the praise team for, oh, Jessica, okay, thank you.
as we had talked about, the, uh, even Andrew had to give me the nod there. Um, uh, we changed the order up quite a bit. And, you know, uh, that song, uh, thank you, Jessica, for singing it. That song is <clears throat> unique and uh, it can really touch our soul uh, at, at this time of year. I also wanted to say, uh, by way of welcome to those watching on Facebook this morning. We're grateful to have those that are, are able to be, uh, aren't able to be here to be able to have a way of chiming in. And one of those is Karen Stanhope watching from Florida. That ain't right. <laughs> that just ain't right. Let us, uh, if we can, though, turn our minds on Jesus Christ this morning. Isn't that a good idea? We, last night, at our, uh, we had our first Christmas party here. Um, and um, a, lot of, a lot of fun, a lot of laughter, all that goes into it. But it helps us to get our mind, it, you may think, but it's only it's still November. Listen, if Walmart started in September, you're going to be all right. So, but it helps us to get our minds in the right direction. It's going to get busy. You know how it goes. It gets crazy, busy, and we can get distracted so very easily, especially as we consider one of the names, a comforting name of Christ. Um, in fact, I'm going to have uh, Jackson put this on the screen of Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. The birth of Jesus Christ, you know, we, we, we tend to get this, and I think it's okay to do, we just don't want to go all in sometimes in our thinking. We get this mindset of this, like the breath of heaven, a, a quiet scene, a calming scene that, that is okay when we think about the birth of Jesus Christ. I, now, I think the reality of it is, birth is, it's labor, it's hard. There's a lot of hardship that goes around that. But we get the big picture, I think, there as well. But I want you to look in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. In fact, I'm going to have him put it on the screen. And then we're going to study something about the names for this child known as Jesus Christ. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Or as Betty would say, shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In verse 6, there's a list there of names for Jesus Christ, or uh, attributes, if you will. Um, wonderful, it's an attribute. Counselor, right? Mighty God. He is God in the flesh. He's the Everlasting Father. But the last one, and that's the one I want you to consider this morning, is Prince of peace. Why that one? Why that one this morning? And I'm going to preach hard here for a moment, and then we're going to do a study. If you choose to sin and ignore Jesus Christ, and that's what you're doing, uh, odds are if you're, if you're choosing to sin and then you want to stay in it, if you want to stay right there, you're not going to move from it. I'm choosing to sin. I know what I'm doing. I, this is what I want to do then you're not going to be, you're going to have to know the Prince of Peace. In fact, if you choose to sin and stay there, that's the difference. Listen, we're all going to sin. The Bible, you know, we, we understand our human nature. We, we got it. We're going to sin in heart or in action. But if you choose to sin and blatantly and stay there, nobody on this earth can soften what's going to happen for you. 
That's heavy. That's hard. I can't soften for you. No psychologist, no counselor is going to be able to come along and soften the effects of sin and or your standing with God. Nobody can do that. Save Jesus Christ. He's the only one. So when we consider the term Prince of Peace, there's many of us today that are like, I need peace in my life. That's what I need. I just need peace. Sometimes what we're really saying is I just want the chaos to go away. There's a difference between having peace and not having chaos. There's a difference, isn't there? Peace is much, much deeper. But I want you to consider, and I want it to stand out today, that name, Prince of Peace. When we, in fact, when we, when we, this name is even alluded to at the first announcement of Jesus by the angels. So I'm going to have you turn to Luke 2, and we're going to read that one verse. Then I'm going to have you go to Matthew for a moment. I want you to consider. That would be the first two that we look at. And consider not only what's going on here, but also, I think more important, as it applies, what's going on in our world. In our world. In Luke chapter 2, verse 14, by way of introduction, this is Christ is born, glory in the highest. Then we sneak down to verse 14. Let's sneak in verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a host of heavenly hosts, with the multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying. By the way, Karen Stanhope asked a great question the other day. Um, she's like, hey, uh, tell me in the Bible how many times the angels um, uh, sing. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's in there. It's in Revelation, I think, at the birth. She's like, yeah, I don't think it says that. And we got to look in, and we did even some different searches, and it never really shows them as singing. It's alluded to, but they, they always use that word saying. Isn't that interesting? But um, so, um, in fact, somebody asked if, if uh, uh, they could sing, if, they, if I needed them to sing a solo this morning, that it would sound heavenly or angelic. They never sang in the Bible accordingly, so no, you don't get to sing. Verse 14. This is what they're saying or, or, or ringing out or singing, ever how you want to phrase it. Glory to God in the highest. Look here. And on earth, peace. Say peace. Goodwill toward men. Peace. It's alluded to at the birth of Christ. What does it mean, Prince of Peace? What's the evidence that he is the Prince of Peace? Why is the important, what's the importance of the name Prince of Peace to the believer today? Well, I think it's no, not a hard stretch for us to say we want peace in our life. We want peace in our world. By the way, that'll never happen. World peace will never happen. We're going to touch on it in just a moment. So I want us to today to do just a, a little compare and contrast in Luke 2. You can turn to Matthew 10 as well. Matthew chapter 10, just a couple books backwards there. Matthew, Mark, Luke. 1034. So while you're turning there, you're turning to Luke 2 and Matthew 10. What is in the meaning of the name Prince of Peace? Salom, which many of us have heard before, in the Hebrew it means the one who removes all peace-disturbing factors and secures peace. He's the breath of heaven. That's what that word Salom means in the Hebrew. And this sets Jesus apart from most human rulers of that time because they ruled of that time by bloody conquest. 
bloody conquest. A lot of times hand-to-hand -hand combat is not pretty. Jesus ruled with the bloody sacrifice. Jesus' countrymen didn't want a peaceful prince. But they wanted a monarch who would annihilate their enemy, set up a kingdom, and even better than the glory days of Solomon and David. That's what they wanted. That's what they assumed. That's what they had heard that he was going to do. You know, if you believe, if you hear something your whole life, you tend to believe it, right? Does that make sense? And we could give example after example of this. Um, I got some embarrassing ones on my family of things that I've heard since I was a kid. And the older I got, I found out that wasn't even possible if true. But so we can hear things and we just don't know any different. So we, we, we take it on. I think there's an element of that for those of Israel. They were hearing that when the Messiah comes, when the Messiah comes, when the Messiah comes, he's going to take care of Rome. That's what they wanted. They wanted Rome out. They wanted that monarch rule. Take care of our foes. Jesus, did he bring peace or a sword? Ooh, tricky question. Well, I can tell you now the answer is yes. Did he bring peace or a sword? Jesus didn't lift a finger against Rome. Did you realize that? The one who was oppressing the, the, the ruler, they were running the world, but they were oppressing at that time. They had Israel squeezed. Man, they, 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 the little tiny area with a, 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 a certain number of people, and they had them controlled all except their religious laws or religious rules. They said, hey, Israel, you can, you can keep that stuff. We don't, but you're going to pay the tax. You're not, it's, not, it's not when you get around to it, and we're going to tell you how much to pay. You're going to pay the tax, okay? So they, they had them squeezed. They had them controlled um, uh, in a tyranny, in, in a tyrannical way. They had Israel controlled. So you can see where the people of Israel at that time would say, yeah, yeah, we get out, get Rome out. They're squeezing us. They're squeezing us. And you see that Jesus didn't lift a finger against Rome. Why? Because he had something different. He had something better. He had something eternal. Jesus, uh, he didn't have an international peace treaty either. This week is an interesting week as it relates to world um, politics, uh, how the countries and Israel and Hamas and, and, and um, I think I warned us last week to be careful that as this thing goes on and on, you're going to start checking out and not be maybe disengage a little bit. This week there was a hostage release. There's, they still have some more, but and, and some are touting it as a beautiful thing and look, we're making progress and others are, it's just a shell game that, that's going on here. There's no peace treaty that can do what the Savior can do. It's not going to happen. I want to compare and contrast. So we're considering Prince of Peace. Look with me in Luke. Let's do Luke first. Keep your finger there in Matthew. Matthew 10. Luke 2, 14. Okay, we read it already once. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. For me, when I hear that scripture, I hate to admit this, I think of Charlie Brown. I, who, who else does that? You can see, you can, yeah, see, thank you for your honesty. We go to Charlie Brown. And when they're reciting the Luke 2, and I love that that is in there in that Peanuts storyline. Uh, it's like the gospel, it, it's there. It's true. It's a good saying. That's that 
romantic side of, of peace, goodwill toward men. But I want you to look in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 34. This is from Christ's mouth. His words. 1034 of Matthew. Do not think that I come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. I come to bring a sword. In Faithful Life this morning, we were in... Um, we were in Revelation 14. And this is where Jesus comes back. And when he comes back, and there's going to be a sword in his hand. Watch as we compare these two. The, the question becomes this for you. Which one, which, one is, which, one do, which one do I need? And the answer is yes again. Watch. In Luke 2, 14... Peace is not taking about, it's not talking about world peace in 2.14 uh, of Luke. That will never happen. It is peace with God. You can have peace with God, although there's no peace all around you. That, that's a possibility. In fact, we'll probably end with Galatians 5 if I don't ramble too long. And it talks about the, the, the fruit of the Spirit. One of the things, he's simultaneously trying to work all these things out in the believer's life. But one of them is peace. Think about that. You know what that tells us? We are constantly in a struggle with ourselves, with God, with the world, with each other. Constantly. We, Carl and I, have now officially been empty nesters for a solid month. It was peace on earth for a little while. She looked at me the other day and said, don't you have to go somewhere? I think I might be starting to get on her nerves. I don't know. One of my favorite lines in, in one of the Christmas carols is Hark the Herald Angel Sing. It's full of theology. My favorite line, God and sinner reconciled. We were singing that once going through the hallways, I think at Eastgate Retirement Village, and it just stopped me. If I remember right, Tom Kramer was singing with me. I, I stopped and I was overwhelmed with the, the power of that statement because nobody can do that. Nobody can make you right with God, the creator and sustainer of life. Save Jesus Christ. It's, this isn't automatic. It's conviction, it's repentance, and it's acceptance. That's why Christmas really is a great time to be able to just talk through that witnessing event to individuals. But when you go back to Matthew chapter 10 and verse 34... Jesus is in the middle of teaching his apostles. He had sent them out, warned them of uh, persecutions, teaches them to the fear of God, and then he gives this statement. Then he gives a statement. It's all about context. John MacArthur writes it like this. Ultimately, the gospel brings peace with God, but the immediate result can be conflict. It can, it can lead to strained family relations, in fact, you see that in verse 35 and 36 of Matthew 10. But also persecutions and even martyrdom. Christ will have no one deluded into thinking that he calls believers to a life void of conflict. Listen, is that the message that the, that the American church is sending out today? 
And I'm talking about us. I'm not talking about, I'm not saying we have it all together, but a lot of what we're hearing out there is add Jesus to your life and your life's going to be happily ever after. It's the fairy tale gospel. It's the fairy tale side of it. He never gave, wanted you to be under that delusion. It can be hard, but there is a peace that comes. And by the way, there's an empowering as well. Is it worth it is the question. Ah, do I want to go through all that? Can't I just, God, between me and you, me and Jesus, we're good, and then just kind of ignore everything else? Is it worth it? You know, the Bible tells us that those who endure to the end, those who are standing at the end, it's not the ones that have made it to the end that's the proof of their salvation. You're at the end because of the work that he's carried you to the end. Those are the ones who are saved and in Christ. Those are the ones. People will hear, hear these verses and, take, and, and, and try to come up with different theologies out of them. The truth is that's what that scripture says every time. Those are the ones at the end who have, he has carried and, and worked through and you kept your eyes fixed upon him. When you give your life over to the Lord, he handles everything. It doesn't mean you can sit back and do nothing. He handles everything. But he gives you work to do. You're no fool to give up what you can't keep in return for what you cannot lose. Jesus is the, is, he brings us peace with God. And it moves to the believer from an enemy of God to a child of God. Prove it. I'm glad you said that. Look in Romans chapter 5, verse 10. Here, this is the truth of it. This is the nuts and bolts right here. Chapter 5, verse 10. This verse is going to sound, it's going to be a reminder for some where they can go, yeah, I have moved from there to there. But somebody's going to hear it today, and my prayer is that it would be a heavy verse, convicting verse, to where they would go, I'm not there. I I'm not there. Romans chapter 5, verse 10. For if we, if when we were enemies, and by the way, your enemies by nature, your enemies of him, were born with the sin nature. Uh, James echoes this same, same uh, sentiment. If when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. His death paid for our sin, his resurrection gives us life. Oh, that's too Eastery. I know it's Christmas time. But the truth is, we move in our relationship from the believer, uh, from the, the believer moves from an enemy to a child of God. Christmas is another one of those good times where you, um, uh, it's, it's a lot of family. It's a lot of family oriented time, isn't it? We just did it with Thanksgiving, and we want to spend that time together. Uh, eating way too much food, comfort food, and I don't know why it is when we're already ate too much and we're sick and we still keep shoveling it in. Why do we do that? We just keep piling it in. I don't know, but that's what I did. But ultimately, man, watch what children can do at these times of year for us. Uh, Brad mentioned this last night in devotion. I'm the same way right now. I don't need anything, don't want anything for Christmas. But his dad said, 
stop. Don't send me anything. I want personal stuff. I want a handwritten card. I want that, that's kind of where I'm at. Except for Aaron. He owes me a lot more than Caitlin ever did. So I'm on a gift from Aaron. But we value, see, see how your values can change. It's the relationship. That child, that, that parent-child relationship is endearing. We're a child of God. Now you may think, well, Pastor Scott, that's a good point. But my kids are right here right now, and they are wearing me out. Amen. Your kids aren't here. Your kids are here. That's even worse, right? You have a past God. My kids are here. Listen, I'm going to say what you already know, but, but just be reminded of it. They're going to be grow up like that. It's going to be over. And then when, it, when, that, when that's over, then they're here. And then when that's over, then they're here. The point is, sometimes when we're in that child-parent relationship, Depending on where you are in that time, it just looks different. It feels different. But it's really all the same. The relationship doesn't change. The communication, the effects, the outpouring of that. Same thing in our walk with Jesus Christ. When we are a child of God, he's bringing us along. And the more he gives us and the more we're responsible, the more he's going to just pour into us to bring us up to full maturity. You're always a child of God, regardless of your age. What's the evidence that Jesus is the Prince of Peace? How about this? His power. So powerful was the Son of God that he was able to bring calm to the natural storms. Um, we see this in Mark chapter 4. We're not going to turn to this one. In Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 39, we see that he had that supernatural ability uh, to demand Calm storms, control, control the elements that we can't even, we have to, to, to bear with. Think about the power of his cross. So effective is the work of the cross that he is able to make peace between God and man. And he delivers, he delivers us to God. Now this one I want you to turn to, Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. We're going to have a reason to sing and pray this morning. We're going to have a reason to be here. Not just kind of mail it in and get the... We're going to have a reason to give these things over to our Lord. He, Jesus Christ, He delivers us to God. We make it a work when He does the work. Colossians 1, verse 19. For it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell. That in who? That in Jesus Christ. Now don't overlook verse 19. It pleased God. God wasn't a jealous God that like, like, look, Jesus, you're my son. You'll never be me. That is not, that verse reads the exact opposite of that. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. That's why we can say with confidence that he is Emmanuel. He's God with us. Full confidence. In fact, that's in John, the bulk of the book of John talks about Jesus Christ and his deity, his divine nature. Listen, if, if Jesus Christ was just another man, then the resurrection could have never happened. He's God in the flesh. He's God in the flesh. That verse goes on to say in verse 20, and by him, Christ, to reconcile all things to himself, by him, 
whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of the cross. Now, how does the world, does somebody dying, make peace? It was a perfect, he was a perfect sacrifice. Verse 21, and you, speaking to the believer now, to you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. Say reconciled. You can, you're made right with the judge. You're made right with God. You're made right with your creator because of Jesus Christ. That's powerful, extremely powerful. Think about this. And what's the evidence that he is the Prince of Peace? How about his body? Just his body. In Judaism, it separated Jews and Gentiles. There was a definite segregation. Christ brings them together. I'm going to have them put on the screen Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. Ephesians 2, 14. You could turn there if you so desire. It'll be on the screen as well. But there was a definite separation, a segregation between Jews and Gentiles, and Christ brings them together. Aren't you grateful for that? Yeah, because you would have been on the other side of this wall. Most likely, looking at this crowd. Watch here. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one, and has broken down the middle wall of separation. What's that mean, middle wall of separation? There was a wall in the temple that separated the Gentile from the Jew. And now, Christ has the believers of one accord. One sold, he brought us all together. A great evidence that Jesus is the Prince of Peace is a changed life. That never gets old to me, watching and seeing a changed life. Is that you today? You may think, man, he has radically changed my life. But somehow, over time, I've kind of just reverted back to old me and my personality. And you know what I love about that? When you go before him, he'll take you right back just like that. Come, come, I'm going to be irreverent here. He's saying, come to daddy. Abba, father, come to daddy. You tired? You old and worn out? Come, come, come to daddy. Come back to me. What is, it, what is the importance of the name Prince of Peace to the believer today? I'm speaking to you. I'm speaking to me as a member of Cross Point Baptist Church. Those who trust Christ as Savior is given by God the assurance of peace when in right fellowship with him. The assurance of peace. And you think, well, I don't feel that. What's up with that? Let's examine your life as it compares to Scripture. The peace in life's trials... Uh, look at me in John 14. Go to the book of John. John 14. In verse 27. Listen to what he says. Peace in life's trials. Verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Listen to that personal guarantee from the creator from the beginning of Jesus Christ. I will give you peace. One of the customary uh, goodbyes in that culture 
was that word peace. It was a way of saying goodbye. So long, peace. It, it, was, it was that culture. But he uses a word in front of it, my peace. There's a whole different aspect there. This is Jesus' personal, special grant of peace. Peace of God, peace with God. This peace banishes, banishes fear from the heart. How can we say that? Because Jesus is in control of all circumstances. If you believe that, let it be known by an amen. amen. All circumstances he is in control of. Now, I didn't say you'd like them. No, and he never promises that you're going to like where you are, but he does promise that I'm in complete control. The word my in front of peace makes it emphatic. My, it's personal. My peace I'm going to give to you. Not just a generic peace, but mine. Perhaps we're spoiled in the country that we live in, that we, we, we take that for granted. There's people around the world that when they've given their life to Christ, it was going to cost them their family. Not, 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 not peace. That's the opposite of peace. On, on an earthly sense. But they have something within to supersede something without. You may not understand life's trials. Ask God about them, but don't doubt him. Ask God, but don't doubt him. Peace in life's victories as well. Uh, Romans 16, verse 20, uh, we can have peace in victories. My dad used to have a saying, the only thing worse than a sore loser was a bragging winner. When, when we have victories in the Lord, celebrate, be excited for each other. But the attention goes back to him as well. Peace in life's relationships. Peace in life's relationships. Um, yeah, let's do one more verse. Let's look in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Again, today isn't a expository. It's kind of a little more topical as we consider this because we need to be reminded and to embrace what he's offering and it's peace. Peace in life's relationships. Chapter 4, verse 3. Listen to this simple verse. Simple. Right in the middle of talking about walking in unity. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. In the bond of peace. Somebody misquoted a verse to me over the summer. They had said, uh, we were out and about, and they said, you know, the Bible says, to, uh, if at all possible, to live peaceable with all men. If at all possible. It just ain't possible to live that way with that person. That's not what that verse is saying. That verse is saying when, if everybody's life is lined up to the word, if your life is lined up to the word, and that one is not, there's not going to be peace. If at all possible, you got to keep your closet here, your heart's closet, in line with him. Is what the, what the context of what the verse is saying. It's not, it's not if at all possible, it's impossible to live with her. You don't even know. It's impossible to live with him. That's not what that verse is saying. That verse is saying you keep your life before him. That's what it means by the possible. And, and address these things with them as well. If they're... If they're willing to hear, there's life in, there's peace, uh, uh, peace in life's 
relationships as well. There's peace in life's witness. I want to take this time, and I'm going to conclude the message. He's getting ready to conclude. The praise team's going to come. It's going to be a time of, of, of maybe just prayer. You want to come and just pray. It's, it's wide open for you. You want to sing and enjoy, join in in these singing. That's okay as, as well. If you want to say, man, I need somebody to pray with me. I'll be here. If you need somebody, find one of the leaders. We will pray with you. But what we want to do is get this time of our uh, lives, the next, what, 28, 29 days till Christmas, get it focused and, and aiming in the right direction, aiming at the attributes of our Savior, understanding there's a, a perfect balance of sword and peace. There's a perfect balance of what he brings in our life and in our world when we're given over to him. Because all of this can be seen of Jesus at his birth. You can see it at his birth. All of the names given from Messiah, which one stood out? Well, today we focused on Prince of Peace. But I think um, to use the words of what Jesus did in Mark chapter 8, he asked two, two, his disciples two questions. Who do men say that I am? What, what are others saying? What do they say? Who do they say that I am? By the way, if you were to ask that question today, uh, I don't encourage you to do this, but it'd be interesting to do a Google search. Who do men say that Jesus is? Ooh, man, you, you're going to get, uh, you're going to, don't do that. You're going to get a hundred different answers to that question. Jesus asked that question to them. Hey, hey, who do men, who, what is everybody else saying about me? And then he followed it up with, but who do you say I am? See what he did there? You see what he did? He's saying, hear all the noise? You hear all the noise around you? Now, settle down, but what about you? Individually. Salvation is through a turnstile, not an open gate. It's through a turnstile. The first question allows us to get a read on people around us. The second question is eternal. you got to respond to Christ for forgiveness. It's personal. It's personal. And that's where I would like us to consider this morning as we I'm have a brief prayer and the praise team comes. And we have a time of personal prayer. Whatever you want to do with it, that's what this time will be for. Can we bow for a moment? As we take this time to allow the Lord to work in our lives. We want to be vulnerable. Isn't that a great word? We want to be vulnerable before him. Think on these words. Do you have peace in your life? Do you have a peace or is it a superficial peace? Do you have a, a peace of God and peace with God? And that the rest will take care of itself. The Lord, take this time in this brief prayer and let, this, let the next few moments, let us be open, vulnerable before you. Have us to change our desires, change our hearts, just maybe crush our hearts to where we're, we're, we're that clay all over again and you get to shape us. Whatever it is that you need to do, we want to make ourselves available to you. Use scripture, Holy Spirit, do whatever you want to use that we would be clean before you. I lift this prayer in Jesus' name.
Amen. Would you stand with the praise team? Is this time of praise and worship, but also a time of prayer is open for you.